and thank you for joining Working Culture's Success Stories, where we learn about the professional lives of artists, creatives, and cultural workers. In this podcast, we will hear how people in the arts and culture sector secure employment and the advice they have for those looking for work or hiring. We hope these podcasts will guide you through your professional journey in the arts. Thank you, Rachel and Danny, for speaking with me today. I thought we'd begin with Rachel. If, Rachel, you could tell us a little bit about TO Live and the position that you were looking to fill. Absolutely. And thank you for having us. We're excited to have finally (laughs) made this happen. Yeah, so TO Live is a civic theater organization. We have three venues. Uh, Uptown is Meridian Arts Center, and downtown is the St. Lawrence Center, and Meridian Hall, which is formerly the Sony Center. And the education department, which is what we're talking about today, is we program ancillary programs to all of the main stage programming, and we are here to open our venues to the public and to provide community programming as well. The the good thing about this position and what was exciting for us is this was a brand new position to the organization. We weren't replacing anybody, so we had to really design everything from scratch and really figure out what we were looking for and what we wanted. And because we spanned the three venues across the whole city, we knew we were looking for someone who, you know, with a wide variety of, in their background, someone who is familiar with all performing arts disciplines and experience with all sorts of ages and communities, because it's a, it's a really wide scope of programming that we're providing. How did you go about preparing for posting the position and deciding what skills and requirements were necessary for the position? Yeah. I mean, the main thing we did, it wasn't anything too involved or complicated. The main thing we did was we sat down and and looked at what are we doing? What's within our capacity? Where are we struggling? Where do we need more support? And we were able to just kind of identify specific tasks and specific programs as a priority that needed support and then really focus on those. What was the whole hiring process like for you, Rachel, as the hiring manager, and then you, Danny, as the person applying? So Mm -hmm. what did you have to do to prepare? Rachel, did you have a meeting with your staff and then say, okay, here are the things that we're trying to plan for, and this is what we're looking for in in an individual? Did you have to come to an agreement with your staff? What were the steps that you had to take? and then also? Danny, how did you prepare? Tell us what your whole process was as well, like for creating your cover letter and your resume, if you could elaborate on that. So before Danny, the education team was two people. Um, It's myself and our fabulous education and engagement coordinator, Jen Collins. So we were the two who really sat down and decided what are our needs? What's working? Where do we need support? And in terms of like physically crafting the job posting, we worked from you know, the most recent job posting that went up for the coordinator position, and then added to and deleted from and reworded until we kind of got to got to the wording that sounded like it was going to be the right support. And what about you, Danny? How did you discover the posting? And, and what did you do to apply? Okay, so in terms of the way I like found the posting, I was looking on a number of different websites. LinkedIn. I was looking on um, even city uh, job positions. And then I found work and culture. And I came across this position. And 
once I saw it, I was really interested in it just because it revolved around other performing arts and, and programming, which is my recent experience. And also from the beginning of my career, I've done a lot of things in terms of just working with program support, admin kind of things. So in terms of pre- preparation for the, for the interview, I, I looked at the website uh, for TO Live. I looked at the history of the organization, seeing that it was recently, there was a recently a, a amalgamation, a combining of all three theaters, which created TO Live. And I just wanted to make sure I knew as much about the programming as, as possible. So I made sure I went through the website and looked at the different programming that were already in place within the education engagement position. Also, possibly where I could fit in, you know, thinking of looking to see where my skills and how I could really definitely make that clear in, in our conversation when we sat down for our interview. Rachel, I'll go back to you and ask you, what's an application that stands out look like? And then how do you decide that you're going to put that application in the pile of to be interviewed? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. And one that we struggled with throughout the whole process, because there were so many fantastic applications that came in. Truly, there were there were a lot. One of the things that really stood out was, or to me at least, was when someone could articulate, I'm qualified for this position, that's kind of a baseline, but it stood out and took it to the next level when someone was able to articulate that they want the position, first of all, but then also why they want the position. And I feel like there's a lot of people in, in a really good way come with this passion of the arts that a lot of the nonprofit, I would say, Everyone I've talked to in the nonprofits and the arts, we we have this passion for the work, and maybe that comes from a personal story, or a you know a background, or someone who inspired us. But then what stood out was being able to connect that passion as to something specific with the job, or specific uh, in this case to the TO Live program, or you know one of the partners we're working with, or something that really spoke to the individual, uh, and that was able to make an application stand out that this person is really motivated about the position and primes the process that they could be a good fit because there's that baseline of uh, being on the same page. There's all, you know, there's also the format. I don't know if you want to get into the the nitty-gritty, but the the credit to work and culture is that after it was posted, we received over 80 applications. I'm sure in some industries that's very low because I'm sure some people are receiving hundreds. But for this position, I really just weren't expecting that much and it was a, it was a lot to go through and just visually I think there is a such thing as under formatting or over formatting. <laughs> there's a, like, there's this middle ground where, you know, if this is like your first opportunity to show, not tell how you organize information or how you communicate information. And so just a, a good, clear format with, with headings and prioritizing information is, I think, much better than either less, you know, no formatting where we can't find the information that we're looking for or going in that it's so busy and it's so overly formatted that you also then can't find the information you're looking for. It's just a good, straightforward organizing works as well. Yeah, I think that's a major plus when you find that in the pile. You know, Rachel mentioned that passion is so important and to like have that be conveyed in your messaging. Danny, how did you convey that? in relation to where you're from and your background and what you've done in the past? Okay, good question. Um, So first, background. Wow. I'm originally from New York City. And uh, in the past, I worked in music publishing, was where I 
originally started my career. From there, I ended up traveling abroad. And I lived in Asia for about four years. And while I lived in Asia, I was an English teacher and also um, a, a basketball coach and a DJ. So I had a really interesting experience living abroad. So when I decided to head back west uh, with my wife, I knew that it was going to be a challenge, especially in a new city, me being from New York City, to come to Toronto to plug into the arts community where I had no community, no networking. So I was essentially kind of starting over and I was really up to that challenge. Initially, I worked with this organization called Nexum International Development Organization. That experience was really, was really um, just a great empowering experience for me, especially, like I said, coming from uh, living in Asia and then coming back here to have the opportunity was just really good to just uh, re-solidify myself and my, and my, and my experience and um, just working in the arts. And with that, I was doing a lot of different skills that I actually, some skills that I hadn't done in a while. Uh, because I didn't mention, actually, prior to uh, working in music publishing, I had a couple of internships while I was in college working for uh, Saturday Night Live. I had an opportunity um, with Def Jam um, Records. I also had an opportunity with MTV doing some program coordinating work as well. So, um, Sorry, can I interrupt? Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just curious why you decided to come to Toronto. Is it because your wife is Canadian or...? No. Uh, well, my wife, she's she's actually American as well. She's from Tennessee. Well, we decided it was a, it was a definitely a collective decision <laughs> uh, to come here because uh, she got accepted to a number of uh, naturopathic uh, med- medicine uh, schools. We decided Toronto was a school that she was going to come and study. And then for me, I, I agree with that decision because of my research about Toronto and also my admiration and also even my curiosity about Toronto. Uh, From living in New York, I had heard about the Jazz Festival, you know, working in music publishing. I heard about the Jazz Festival. I dealt with uh, Universal Music Canada. So I dealt with people who were here and I was really interested in Toronto. So I felt like, okay, you're interested in coming here to study. And I think Toronto would be a good city for me to really plant my, my feet and get reinvigorated into my career in arts. So that's how I ended up here. That is amazing because, you know, you hear many stories of Canadians moving to the U.S. as artists because there's like a lot more opportunities in the U.S. for creatives. And now we have the flip story where an American comes to Canada to pursue their career in the arts. And so I can imagine that you come with a fresh set of eyes and the the cool New York vibe. So <laughs> <laughs> thank so, you. I thank you. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, uh, you know, I left New York to go and live in Thailand and Taiwan. Even that travel stems from just my my background in New York City. Where I'm from exactly in New York City is uh, the South Bronx, and also we're really close to Yankee Stadium, and also Flushing Queens. And Flushing Queens is where I spent my grade school, middle school years, and high school years. And there, it was pretty much uh, such a diverse city. And I was really opened up to the whole world because I had friends in third grade where we would do a a presentation about where you were from. And people would would have a presentation about Russia and Israel and the Dominican Republic. So I guess I would say a typical New Yorker probably would not, not come back to the West and go to Toronto, knowing other New Yorkers. But I think my experience definitely just laid 
the groundwork for me to just be open to different experiences and to, to be open to different challenges and to just bring enthusiasm to wherever I go, to just put my best foot forward and know that that will be enough to connect with community and, and things, will, things will happen, you know? And I've been, I've been lucky. I've been blessed that they have so far. Could I ask how many years you've been living in Toronto now? I've been living in Toronto for a year and a half. Okay. What do you think of the Toronto art scene and, you know, as a New Yorker, what do you notice a difference or is there anything that's like really inspiring that, you know, you haven't recognized in the various countries that you've lived in? Um, what's refreshing here? Mm. Okay, so one thing I've noticed is probably more just about it's a different type of diversity. So some of the international cultures that you have here and that are represented here are underrepresented in New York City. So that's one thing definitely that I've really enjoyed and appreciated, even at the African communities here. We don't have a really big African community in New York City as well. Uh, so, you know, that's been eye opening as well. Just being able to have that exchange with people through conversation, through the arts, being at different events now and, and meeting people from places that I've, I've never been. The, the communities that are here, I've never really been able to tap into it. No, but in Toronto, it's like, wow, okay, I can go and I can go have some Ethiopian food. I can go and have some Persian food. I can go and have some French cuisine. It's just like, and it feels authentic. And I just love having authentic flavor, whether it's culturally in the arts, whether it's food, music, just having that authentic experience is nothing like it. On this topic of diversity, I'll go back to you, Rachel, and ask you, you know, working for TO Live, how important is that for your programming and in, in your education department? I mean, that's such a great question. It's it's at top of mind. I mean, it's a huge priority. You know, our our job as, you know, we're owned by the city of Toronto. Our job is to reflect the city of Toronto on our stages and in our spaces. Uh, so through, yeah, throughout the hiring process, that was definitely at top of mind and just trying to find, just trying to find a candidate who has, you know, like, like Danny just expressed so, so well, just having that priority and that passion um, to make that happen in our spaces. I'm going to go back to what I was talking about earlier about the whole hiring process. And to hear from both of you, any advice that you could share with uh, our listeners, Rachel, for um, other people who are hiring, what advice do you have for, for them? And then Danny, what advice do you have for people who are sending out applications or trying to find work? You know, on the hiring side, my advice is to really be thoughtful about the process and each step along the process. It's just it's a process that we took really seriously. We, you know, we wanted to make the right move. We wanted to move the organization in the right direction. And so from, you know, from those beginning conversations about what we're looking for to what role this position will play within our three venues where this position will be seated and then into reviewing the first round of applications, how we're going to structure the interview process and get as much time with each applicant as we'd like. We, you know, we just... That's the most important thing that I found was to be thoughtful. Okay. So if, if I understand correctly, you're saying, you know, to plan, but to re remember that being organic is also very important in a sense and to be genuine when you're trying to find the, uh, the person to fill the position. That's a good way to add on to that. 
and the genuine aspect too, I mean, I think, you know, for both sides of the, both the applicant and the hiring committee, that sense of honesty and coming to the table with who you are, what the position is, who you are as the applicant, because it's not about trying to, you don't want to try and get a job that's not right for you. Like the, the main thing that we were keeping in mind is trying to find the right fit and trying to not get too boxed in into having this vision of what, what we need before we meet you know, all of these wonderful people. So I guess actually that, that extends into a second part of keeping an open mind and allowing for flexibility throughout the process. And what about you, Danny? Yeah, I would say, um, like I mentioned before, just making sure you understand the company and make sure you understand the role. I found when I first got back, I have the privilege of having a great wife and a great editor. So she was able to give me some feedback on some of my cover letters. And um, sometimes I, I found myself maybe overselling myself and overselling in a sense, giving too much of attributes about about me or I, I felt like maybe I was tooting my own horn a little bit too much instead of really just getting to the, the details of my experience and how that experience can connect with this role. You have to really make sure you're clear and succinct with that in your cover letter because, you know, you can imagine the employer is going to be going through so many that you really need to stand out with the way that your experience is going to connect with the role. And then from there, once I coming into the interview, uh, definitely you have to be confident, you know, when you come and be relaxed as much as possible, definitely. And also make sure that you are accepting of what the role is going to be, regardless of how amazing you are, because I understand even for myself, you know, I've I come from a background where I've done a lot of different amazing things. And when I first looked at the role, I was like, okay, this is a programming coordinating assistant position. And it could sh shy some people away who have a lot of experience. But I also saw that the long-term vision and possibilities of a company and a, an apartment like this and being able to see that was would allow me to accept a role where I could be a support and be a team member and leave my ego at the door in terms of what, what I can do and allowing the opportunities to, to present itself where I can really showcase everything that I can do. But being patient also, you know, even in the, in the interview, but mentally you kind of have to be patient in terms of how you express yourself what you can bring to the table down the line and what you will bring to the table for the role in the present moment. That's such great advice. I just wanted to ask, as you mentioned, going into the interview and being confident and really knowing your stuff beforehand and preparing and knowing about the organization. Yes. Mm -hmm. So do you have any tips on how someone can get relaxed before an interview? Because I know like, <laughs> yeah, everyone gets the jitters right before they meet their potential employer. Is there anything that you do that calms you down? Yes. Um, I'm, I'm a music person, so I listen to some jazz just to like relax my mind or anything soothing in general, but usually it's probably like some really calming jazz. As I'm heading towards interview, I try not to even think about the position too much at that point because I've already done the preparation the days leading up to. So that morning of, I kind of just wanted to just clear my mind and just have my mind as clear as possible, have it as relaxed as possible. Once I got to the door, I took a couple deep breaths 
I definitely did. <laughs> I like got to the building and uh, I was like, okay, let me take a couple deep breaths. And then I rang the bell so I could go ahead and get buzzed in. And then I was ready to go. Cool. And, yeah. and Rachel, what was the interview like? What, what went really well? Actually, I just want to add to Danny's really good advice about preparing. And I just want to add to that, though, that on the hiring process, you know, I don't know if nervous is the right word, but from our side, accepting all these candidates in to, to interview, there also is a sense of, I really want to make the most of this conversation. I want to be consistent. I felt like there's also a sense of expectation on the hiring side. So, you know, similar to Danny, it was it was the same as just keeping keeping the perspective and and what I would tell myself before each interview is I'll know that this interview went well if at the end of it there is a solid sense of a decision on on either way and and I think it's it's just as fair for a candidate to, at the end of an interview think maybe this isn't the right thing for me I liked looking at it as a two way conversation as opposed to you know just question answer question answer it was important for me to frame that in that way for myself to prepare for each conversation so that I could just make the most of that, that time. When I was looking for work, I always kind of thought of it as like sort of going into a first date because <laughs> it, you know, you're, you're, you kind of have yeah. the same nervousness. Yeah, it's a very similar process. Yeah. You know, you want to make a good impression, but then you don't know if it's a good match. And then at the end of the date, it's like, okay, yes, this made sense, or no, this didn't make sense. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly how I felt. So what? Yeah, I know. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> what were you gonna say? <laughs> no, no, I was gonna say that's exactly how I felt when I when I finished the conversation with Rachel and Jen. I was just like, oh, I love these ladies. I hope <laughs> they pick me because I just felt like. I could definitely see myself working with them. Like, it was no doubt about that at the end of the conversation. And I just like, I just hope I get this opportunity because it just felt like a perfect fit. Because like you said, a lot of times, like a first date, I had other interviews where I was like, I don't want to, I don't want this position. <laughs> like, I'm good. So how much of the organization's culture is important to find a good match, to step away from that meeting feeling like, yes, this is the one, or this seemed like it made sense. How much of it is related to a fit in culture that the, the people could potentially get along? How much of it is that? I think it's a huge, a huge part of it. It's it, that's a hard thing to know from only one or two conversations with someone. But I, you know, one of the questions we asked, I don't remember the exact wording. Maybe you do, Danny. But it was, you know, what's your ideal work environment? something like that. Yes. And the culture in terms of like the physical setup of where, you know, where you are, how often you're around people, how often you're talking to people and who you're liaising with. Yeah, that was just a huge thing that I kept in the back of my mind throughout all of the conversations in terms of, you know, how will this person, how will this person fit into to the team? Can you recall any other questions that were really important for you to have asked? Yeah. And we we did a pretty straightforward format. We definitely were not trying to trip anybody up. There were no quizzes. And I, I've heard from a lot of colleagues, you know, people who, who've either been on the hiring side or on the applicant side. There's you know, Sometimes there's a weird question of what kind of fruit would you be? Or I, I, had an, I had an interview question once that was like a, 
I don't remember exactly what it was, but like you walk into your house and the lights are off. What do you do? Kind of a like psych- random psychological question. Random question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we 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 didn't really do any of those, but one important aspect that I've found helpful at any time I've done an interview is scenario questions. Yes, I love those. Which is these are scenarios that we actually dealt with in real time on real events in the past year and situations that were challenging and so we posed those situations to each candidate uh, to see how they would reason through them. And this is the flexibility and keep an open mind. There was no one answer we were looking for, but it was really just to understand if we kind of all have a similar, how how you'd handle a situation. Right. You mentioned that some of the questions were questions that were related to things that you've experienced in your organization. That's a really good point for people who are looking for work. Do what Danny did. He did his research, learned about the organization, and just knowing the various things that have happened in the organization, you could maybe come up with some potential questions. So if you read their press releases and it mentions something about a new space that they just opened up, Think about some of the challenges maybe that an organization could face when opening up a new space and what types of questions that could arise in an interview related to that. I've always prepared by coming up with potential questions that I could be asked just based off of what I know about the organization. I think it's always really helped me. Danny, what do you think helped you throughout this whole process that you were super grateful for? Uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think about this because I didn't really think about this particular question. Uh, do you actually, I can, I, can, I can hop on to that last thing you were talking about while, while Danny thinks about it. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking I've still probably applied for and interviewed for more jobs than I've actually been on the hiring side of hiring that many jobs. So just in terms of advice for preparing for an interview, it's so difficult because you don't know what you're going to be asked. <laughs> so it's a really hard thing to just sit down and prepare for. But you know, what I would say is, you know, a lot of it is self-reflection, but there's ways to kind of think about your skill set, think about experiences you've had, or at least this is what I've done in my process and, and really kind of sit down and brainstorm, like, here are my five key skills. And if something comes up that I have an opportunity to talk about it as success or a strength, I'm going to focus on these skills. And then there's a, a lot of different ways that that could come up in an interview that I know I can gear it towards that. And then I do, you know, write out two or three challenging stories and two or three success stories so that I can have a little bit to brag about and a little bit to talk about lessons that I've learned. And so again, it doesn't matter if that's the exact question. It's just ways of just knowing yourself and doing the self-reflection so you, you, you know what the strongest thing about yourself you can talk about. Yeah. I, I don't know if you are both familiar with what you probably are, but I think it's called the STAR method. That was something that I came across when I was looking for work. It was when you're asked a situational question, you know, to always think about the situation that you're going to explain that you've experienced that's related to the question. And then I think talk about the tactics and then the actions and then the result of all that. I think that's what it was, but there are so many... I haven't heard of that. Yeah, there are so many ways that you can answer a question, but I think what was really important, I don't know if it's the STAR method or whatever, but what was really important was to 
talk about the result. What happened after that? What was the outcome? And like you said, Rachel, like what, what was it that you learned from that experience? That's really helpful. Is there something that you wanted to really talk about that you think is really important to share with people who are going through the the whole process of looking for work or hiring a potential employee? I have two final thoughts. The first one, and I think this advice has been given on your podcast before, actually, but it, it can't be said enough that for anyone who may be struggling with confidence or second guessing themselves, always apply for a job, even if you don't think you hit all the qualifications, because it's always better to throw your name in the hat and let the hiring committee decide if they want to learn more about you and, and, and call you in for an interview. It's just something that almost every job I've applied for, I'm like, well, I'm not fully qualified for this job, so I'm going to let this one pass. But it's it just always apply, always, always apply. And kind of on that note, it was both exciting and difficult through this process with all of these applications. And it just really spoke loud and clear of what an amazing pool of applicants we have in the arts and culture sector. So it was a very motivating thing, but also made the process a bit difficult. But there were so many people who we couldn't even call in for a phone call or interview because it just really had to narrow it down. But people that we met, people that we talked to, and I just remember thinking, like, I really hope that I cross paths with these people in the future. I really hope that I get a chance to work with a lot of these applicants in any capacity. So, you know, by the end of the process, I was really motivated just about our sector in general. Yeah, just related to that, I, I would add, you know, just because you didn't get asked to come in for an interview or get that position doesn't mean you shouldn't apply again for a future position, right? Because yeah. you never know. A hundred percent. Is there anything else, Danny, that you'd like to add? Um, well, I think I can answer that that question you asked earlier about what stayed with me. And it kind of piggybacks on what you guys were talking about, the STAR method. Um, Rachel talking about just knowing your own experience and, and lessons you've learned. So that was definitely something that was helpful throughout the whole process, just having confidence and just making sure that I went over my own history and reviewed it to make sure I was able to connect it with the role and opportunity. That's pretty much it. That's great. Thank you for that. What's coming up for the two of you? What, are, what projects are you working on? And what could we look out for? What's TO Live doing in the next few months? Oh my goodness. So many things. Coming up in March, we're bringing back our monthly Discover Dance program. So that's going to be both at our uptown venue, Meridian Arts Center, and downtown at Meridian Hall. We have free dance demonstrations for the public. Uh, We have ongoing community classes free at Meridian Hall that happen multiple times per week. But yeah, you can check out our website. It's tolive.com forward slash engage. And that will get you to kind of an overview of the programs. And there's going to be a lot of ways to engage with our spaces. Wonderful. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today. I appreciate all the wonderful things you've had to say and the advice that you shared. And I'm sure our listeners do as well. So thanks again, Rachel and Danny from TO Live. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us, Mona. It was a great time. Thank you for listening to Working Culture's Job Board Success Stories. For more information on other Working Culture resources, please visit our website, 
workingculture.ca and subscribe to our newsletter to receive job board updates, news, and trends. Join us for our next episode or contact us at info at workingculture.ca to share your success story. Thanks so much, everyone.